Welcome to the book club that sure isn't your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It's going very well. Great. Today, we're going to be talking about attachments by Rainbow Rowell and commitment phobes in romance novels. But first, mom, not that I don't already know, but what have you been reading? Well, I went on to my Kindle because I had some extra time this week or this <laughs> couple of weeks. Um, and I started reading a series that magically appeared on my Kindle. I didn't purchase it, but somebody did. <laughs> so I have How does that I did happen? It. <laughs> it's magical. Um, the Wedded by Scandal, Wedded by Scandal series by Stacy Reed. Mm-hmm. So there were three of them, but I think there's going to be more. And I read all three of those. Yes, you did. And they were enchanting. Um, not over the top, amazing, not yeah, award winning, but, but, but entertainable. Yes, definitely. Um, I read, uh, I read that a while ago and I think I talked about it in a previous, like I mentioned it in a previous, what have you been reading segment? Um, they're cute. It's like all, uh, kind of women who for some reason or another have to like trick men into marrying them. <laughs> Essentially, well, they don't even have to. A lot of times, it just happens. Yeah, they get and, caught um, in compromising situations. You know. Yeah, and I have to say, I have a hard time. I don't know. In the in the history in the historical romances, it's not my favorite thing when the guys like compromise the women beforehand, and then I don't know. I guess I'm being prudish. Because it doesn't bother me in the contemporary, <laughs> but in the historicals, when they like have sex with them before they get married, and then it's like, oh well, let's get married now. It's like, freaking marry her before you do that. <laughs> anyway, you know me. Prude. I'm a mom. I'm a prude. Yeah. Um. So I finished last time. I talked about uh, that I started Beautiful Lawman by Sophie Jordan, and I finished it. And Oh my goodness, it is really good. Uh, this is the one that I was like, Mom, you cannot read this because it is pretty steamy in some parts, but like in a very good way. Um, yeah, it was really good. It's like the, I think it's the fourth book in her Devil Rock series, which um, most of them kind of take place. Uh, they're like the heroes tend to be convicts in this prison. Um, and this one, it's the, he's like kind of a police officer in the area and, um, it was really good. I liked it. And the heroine is kind of the sister of a convict and the next book is obviously going to be her brother who, um, is mentioned in the book quite a bit. Um, so I really liked that one a lot. I also read Wallbanger by Alicia Clayton, um, it's a book about a uh, girl who has a neighbor who she dubs Wallbanger because uh, he bangs against the wall with a few different paramours, um, if, if you catch my <laughs> meaning. Um, I got gotcha. so, I, I think I'm with you. Uh, just kind of, and as you might guess, you know, they kind of end up meeting and having certain romantic feelings towards each other and um it was cute it had like 
it had really high ratings on Goodreads and Amazon, so I was like, I'll just check it out. I don't know that I thought it was, like, as amazing as the ratings would indicate, but um, but it was a good time, and it was a funny little book. It sounds like a modern-day adaptation of Pillow Talk with Doris Day and Rock. Oh, that's a good comparison, and you know how I felt that movie – um, yeah, I think <laughs> I do. I think, yeah, that is a good, uh, that is a good comparison. Did you read any other books, mom? No, no, no that was I right. started the next book or one of the books in the, I always call it the Baywatch series, but it's not Baywatch. It's the <laughs> Heartbreaker um, Bay. Heartbreak Bay. <laughs> that one. Yeah. That's I started the Jill the next, uh, one of the books in that series. Yeah. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about Attachments by Rainbow Owl. It's a standalone book and um, could be considered perhaps more of women's fiction than straight romance. But the back cover for this one reads, Beth Fremont and Jennifer Scribner Snyder know that somebody is monitoring their work email. Everybody in the newsroom knows it's company policy. But they can't quite bring themselves to take it seriously. They go on sending each other endless and endlessly hilarious emails discussing every aspect of their personal lives. Meanwhile, Lincoln O'Neill can't believe this is his job now, reading other people's email. When he applied to be an internet security officer, he pictured himself building firewalls and crushing hackers, not writing up a report every time a sports reporter forwards a dirty joke. When Lincoln, become, when Lincoln comes across Beth's and Jennifer's messages, he knows he should turn them in, but he can't help being entertained and captivated by their stories. By the time Lincoln realizes he's falling for Beth, it's way too late to introduce himself. What would he say? Question mark, question mark, dot, dot, dot. So, um, Mom, what did you think of Attachments? Well, I've been trying not to talk to you too much about yeah. it. But I think you knew when you wanted to read this book, I loved this book. <laughs> I know you so well. I loved so many things about it that we could probably fill the hour with me just talking about the different things I loved about this yes. book. Okay. What's, what are some of those things, then? <laughs> well, first of all, if you've listened to our podcast at all and haven't realized this yet, we are huge movie people yes. at our house. Um, we grew up, I mean, my kids grew up seeing lots of movies. Probably ones that I'm, we shouldn't have I'm, seen. Pro- yeah, yeah, we'll bring that up. Um, <laughs> I always do. I'm Mom. world famous for my, I'm world famous for my DVD yes, collection. Um, however, I don't buy DVDs anymore. So everybody's in, you. in trouble. But, uh, I mean, when Ellen was home over Christmas break for a week and a half, we saw five mm-hmm. movies, two of which were both Star Wars. <laughs> two, so, two screenings of Star Wars. Yes, that's true. <laughs> two different screenings of Star Wars. So we are really big movie yes. people. So I absolutely loved all of the, not just movie, uh, you know, talking about movies, but all the pop culture references. Yeah. Um, were there? I mean, you knew I would love that when when you and recommended this book. And I actually read an so. interview with uh, Rainbow Rowell where somebody was asking her about like pop culture because she puts she puts a lot of them in all of her books. She has another book called Fangirl, which maybe I should make you read sometime. Um, and oh, I think I have that on my yeah, Kindle you might. Somewhere. I 
I bought it a long time ago. I really like it. it. So, I mean, she's obviously very like immersed in pop culture and like fan community and things like that. Um, but, uh, and I know some people like don't like pop culture references in books because they feel like it kind of dates them a bit. Um, but I saw her say like, I like that because I like pop culture references in books because it kind of gives you context into, um, what, what, where they are in time. And also I think, well, this book was very dated anyway. I mean, it's 1999, the whole thing. And, um, so all the movie references were to movies from that time period. And then even old movies, like when they talked about, uh, Harold Maude, which, which, um, you know, was a huge, my family, it's very quirky. I'm not necessarily recommending it to everybody, but, um, I did not like it. It was one of my family favorite when I was growing up, but, um, to say it dates a book, well, this book is dated anyway. Yeah. So well, also, I think, I, I think especially for you and me, just because pop culture is so much like a part of our identities that, um, I don't know, like oftentimes when I meet people <laughs> for the first time, I'm always like, what TV shows do you watch? Because that's going to give me something that I can like connect to somebody with on. And, um, well, or let you know, you know, oh, I never watch TV. Okay, well, this is a snob <laughs> that like, I can't be Okay, well, we cannot hang, so. Um. <laughs> we are arch enemies now. The, um, yeah, I mean, years ago, well, a couple of years ago, Ellen, I mean, lived in the LA area, and we would go to Comic-Con every year. And we would go to Comic-Con just to go to TV and movie panels. It's not like we were going to buy action figures. And... um that was like a huge deal yeah. for us. Then Ellen moved and now we can't go anymore. But um, <laughs> it was pretty rude. But uh, so we very immersed in the movie genre, yeah. you know, all the movie genres. And we like nerdy movies yeah. a lot too. So so changing tact a little bit. Um, now, I know just from briefly on what we talked about, about this book um, before this, um, so I know you saw the reveal of him being the cute guy that she always refers to at work as the, her cute guy. Um, I honest, I don't know where my head was at, but I did not see that coming, but I loved it. It's my favorite part of it. <laughs> well, as soon as she said it, I was like, this is going to be him. And, um, and then the first, though, the couple, first couple of times she talked about her cute guy, it kind of throws there I think they're purposely yeah. trying to throw you off because I think he's in advertising I saw him in advertising but then with his particular job he would kind of move around because he was fixing computers all over the place so and I um, don't know why I didn't think of this but I think I just didn't see it coming because you know they're both always talking about like oh uh, you know or he's always talking about oh I don't work at the same time as her uh you know etc 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 and so I think just because he didn't realize that he's seen her that's why, like, my head didn't immediately go there, but, like, obviously, because he doesn't know what she looks like for well, most Well, yeah, there's people. all those things and the fact that you're not as smart as me. So those things yeah, all those, together. those things combined. <laughs> no, I'm usually pretty good at that stuff, but... It's a high I bar. I set a high bar. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I loved all the pop culture references. I loved the witty banter, not with him because he doesn't talk to them ever, but between her and her girlfriend, between her yeah. and Jennifer, um, there was a lot of witty banter there. Mm-hmm. 
uh, it's funny because this was definitely a story that was told from one perspective, but because he was reading all their emails, it's kind of a dual POV. Kind of a dual POV in that sense. Um, and Almost like a triple POV because you're also getting Jennifer. Jennifer, Jennifer's, yeah. And then the um, slow burn, definitely a slow burn. Because slow burn. I was getting to the point where it's like, there's no way they're going to be able to fix all this before the end of the book. I'm at 95% and they still haven't like met each other yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, throughout most of the book, like neither of them knows what the other, well, neither of them knows what the other looks like. She knows what he looks like, but she doesn't know it's him. And or that he knows who she is. I mean, yeah, she doesn't know he's been reading her emails. Yeah. Um, and he, I just loved all of the, um, all the aspects of it. And I loved when they actually finally met and, she, you know, when he left, his, when he, you know, he ends up quitting the job cause he hates it and he hates that it makes him sit and read people's emails, even though he's fallen in love with her through reading her emails. Yeah. And uh, so he ends up quitting his job and he leaves her a note saying, I'm sorry, but you guys need to be careful. Like, <laughs> you need to be careful. They're going to get in trouble. Yeah. And I'm sorry. I've been reading your emails. And she was just shocked that he would leave her this note. And I like that he has all these and, women in his life that are like, you need to knock it off. Like this is not going to end well. <laughs> like, you need to tell well, her. and that's why I kept thinking, well, they're going to need some time to fix all this. And here it was 95% of the book and they still hadn't even met. And I was like, there's no way they're going to meet and fix all this in the next Just 3%. One, one good makeout <laughs> session, mom, will fix everything. And it did. And it was a total makeout session. Well, through Billy Elliot, which is a good movie. I know. Too bad she I, it. I thought the same thing. Um, <laughs> I cute little Jamie Bell. I I was a little worried, um, just because I was like, oh, like how's this gonna go? Because it could be interpreted as really creepy, like what he was doing, right? But then I think it's right. somewhat balanced by the fact that she also does some creepy things on him. <laughs> <laughs> She does. She kind of stalks him a little bit because he's the cute guy at work. And yeah, so, as you, you do, know, we've all yeah, done that, right? <laughs> we've all followed a cute guy home or something, yeah. right? I mean, I'm not above I'm not saying weird, I've done something similar to that that we don't need to get into, but. <laughs> and this is, I highlighted this one quote in the book because I thought this was so cute and just set my heart at Twitter. Um, so, he sees her in a movie theater and she ends up coming and sitting next to him and they end up making out mm-hmm. through the whole movie. And then he, she takes off and goes back to work and he follows her back to work and he says, we need to talk about this. And, and so she knows he's the guy that had been reading her emails and he knows that she's, you know, a cute girl from work and oh gosh, my Kindle just turned off. And um, they're discussing it. And she says, uh, She's asking him, she says, do you believe in love at first sight? And he made himself look at her face, look at her face, at her wide open eyes and earnest forehead, at her unbearably sweet mouth. I don't know, he said. Do you believe in love before that? Her breath caught in her throat like a sore hiccup. And I just thought it was so cute that he's like, I was in love before I even saw you. And he fell in love with her just because of how funny she was and how sweet she was with Jennifer. and um you know, and sweet she was with this horrible boyfriend that she had. Yeah. And 
I mean, he just fell in love with her before he ever even saw her. I mean, what girl doesn't want yeah, that? I just like, I liked kind of seeing both their perspectives, right? That she kind of like falls, she doesn't like fall in love with him, but she's like definitely attracted to him. Whereas he like falls in love with her. And, you know, I think, I think there's like a lot of moments where it's kind of implied that he's just like, I don't even care if what it looks like, I think, you know, where he just is like, he's done for, you know, as far as she's concerned. So I thought they were cute. Right. Um, let's get to these questions. And then if we have things after the questions, we'll, we'll talk more. Um, okay. Okay. Do you question. think Ask that this away. book is served by its Y2K setting in any way other than like it being a plot device that he's kind of fixing some of the like Y2K problems that we all know ended up not being anything, but it was a huge deal. Like if we have people who are younger than me. It was a huge deal. Everyone thought airplanes yeah. were going to fall out of the sky and, you know, uh, yeah. <laughs> stupid. But um, um, yes, in that, because there were a couple things, it, it was important for it to be at that time. For example, like he didn't have a cell phone. Well, nowadays we would think that that's yeah. crazy. You'd be a crazy person not to have a cell phone. But, you know, 17, 18 now, years ago, that there were mm -hmm. people who didn't have cell phones. Um, so there's things like that that I think it's important for you to understand what time frame it is in order to, you know, make all of that, make those connections because – if you were trying to think if it was set today, you'd be, what kind of person doesn't have a cell phone? Um, I don't know, just little things like that. I think also because he has a computer-related job, it makes it, uh, you know, they were hiring yeah. computer people like crazy at that time. Also, the fact that the reading the emails thing, that would never fly in today's society. So, well, but, you know, 18 I mean, years I think ago. It's still, I think that does still happen in some companies, I think. People just care. Well, I think they flag things. Yeah. Jeez, I can guarantee you that ours probably do. I think they flag certain things, but they don't. There's no way they Somebody sitting there sit and read everybody's emails. Yeah. And I think um, I also think just like ideologically that um, kind of the restless nature of both of them and kind of um, – I don't know, this, they're, just like their attitudes about life and job and love seems very, like, early millennials to me, you know, and um, kind right. of capturing that specific generation, uh, like, shift, I think, is part of it, too. Um, so, like, both as a time capsule of, like, a lot of the pop culture and the technology and things like that, but also um, just, like kind of what became normal, um, you know, ideologically for the the people of that time in terms of those things. Right. Well, it's kind of pre, like, super millennials like we have yeah. now. And um, so, yeah, I would agree with, with you yeah. on that one. Um, so Beth and Jennifer POV is all told through their emails. Did you feel this prohibited or enhanced your idea of them as characters? I liked it. I liked that we got to know them so well through their their emails. But the thing I kept thinking was, 
why would you write an email about this? Why wouldn't you just talk to the person? I know. In person? I'm, I'm like, these are some long emails. <laughs> no, especially the one about her breaking up with her yeah. boyfriend. I'm like, wouldn't you just say, let's meet in the in the yeah. you know break room so I can just explain this yeah. to you? You would probably, but I would because I'm not going to type all that. It did kind of. There was um this summer where um, I think it was between my freshman and sophomore year. My friend Jillian, shout out. I know she's not listening, but shout out anyway. Um, her and I both worked at these office jobs that were pretty slow a lot of the time. And so we would just like, we had, I, I made, at the end of the summer, I made her like a binder of all of our, um, of all of our emails. And I like annotated them. So our inside jokes made sense to somebody else reading them. Um, And so it kind of reminded me of that. And like, I don't know, I think especially like in office jobs, you do kind of sometimes have that like, you know, email or Gchat buddy that you just kind of like are always communicating with in some way. Well, now we, everybody texts and I mean, it's not even email. Email is like old fashioned now. So, And that's another reason why I think maybe the, the 2000 setting is because we do have so many different ways now. But like email was was it back in you know two thousand, yeah. um, so I think maybe that's another reason why the Y two K thing. I was a little worried about. Um, I was I've read email books before. I've read an entire book that is all told through like emails, um, and but that was like it included emails from a lot of people. Um, so I was a little worried about this one, just like, okay, are we going to get an idea of, you know, who they are and things like that? Um, but I thought she did a really good job of um, of kind of giving you an idea of both of them. Um, I did see some people comment and say that they thought that the tone of voice was very similar for Beth and Jennifer, and that sometimes it was hard to tell them apart. Um and I guess I could see that, but I don't know. I have friends where maybe you wouldn't be able to tell, <laughs> like maybe my emails with Jillian, like you wouldn't be able to tell us apart because we just have such a shared language, you know? I think there are probably conversations you and I would yeah. have where people would have a hard time, you know, if they couldn't hear our voices yeah. telling apart. I mean, even then I think people but, um, sometimes. Yeah. But, uh, I didn't, I didn't have a hard time with it and I could kind of tell, I mean, they were coming at from different things. Yeah. So if she was talking about being pregnant, well, that's yeah. going to be Jennifer. And if someone was talking about, you know, their deadbeat boyfriend, well, that was going to be Beth. So I didn't have a hard time with it, but. Okay. So that's a good segue. You know, like I said, not everyone's as smart as me. Yeah, of course. Oh my gosh. Um, this <laughs> is what I have to do with you guys. Um, okay. So. That's kind of a good segue. So what did you think of their current and previous relationships with Chris and Sam, respectively, and how they were handling them? How did it kind of inform them as characters? Well, I, his relationship with Sam, the fact that he still seemed to be brooding over it, and it had been like nine years, that seemed a little excessive to me. Um, I I mean, I I guess I kind of get it, but it just seemed like, dude you should have moved on with your life a long time I've ago known, like, I mean I was glad to see it I don't think I've known someone who has been that bad but I think people tend to like fall back on their previous 
relationship, even if that was nine years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, that that's what they're still clinging to. And I think because he's had nothing else between then and now, that that's what he was still, like, hung up on. Well, and it just kind of kept him from moving on with his life. He was, I mean, he graduated from school and stuff, but he hadn't, he was still living with his mom. (laughs) He sat and played Dungeons and Dragons and... But we're not going to be we judgmental on that. about that because maybe certain members of our family do that as well. There were, yeah, there were a lot of things about this kid that reminded me of certain members of our family. He's not going to listen. Uh, he's not going to listen. Helen's brother is, he works on computers. He plays, he Dungeon plays Dungeons Dragons. and Dragons. But he's married and has an adorable baby. So yeah, I true. get to uh, just ignore all that other stuff. Um, but, and I forgot what, what was the question? <laughs> Chris and Sam, like what their purpose was. Oh, that's right. Um, Chris, I did not like, I felt like he was just kind of, uh, stringing her along and, you know, which is exactly what he was doing and just kind of leeching off of her. Well, um, and there's. You know, your typical rock and roll boyfriend, rock and roll boyfriend who doesn't have a day job and, you know, expects her to pay all the bills and take care of him. And, um, you know, yeah, he was good looking, but he, he never struck me as that great of a guy. Um, where Sam, she seemed like a great girl and I can totally see that he fell in love with her, but then she totally screwed him over. Mm -hmm. So uh, they felt anyway. like both instant, both relationships felt very like authentic to me. Like I know people who have been in similar situations, whether it's the high school boyfriend and girlfriend not working out in college and, you know, thinking that they're going to take it to the end and it doesn't work out. Um, or just kind of like stuck in a relationship that, you know, you're just in because it's comfortable and it's what you know. Um, and I think there's that moment where, um, like, Lincoln meets Chris, right? And they're... Right, yeah, at the restaurant. And they're talking about her, right? When was that? It's been a while since I've read this one. Well, they were, but it was... Okay, <laughs> the timing on that was he was in the suit. He had just been at the wedding Yes. Where he yes. broke up with her. And so he seemed kind of distraught. But we don't find that That's storyline right. out until later on when she talks okay. to Jennifer about it. But he was um, saying, oh, yeah, my girlfriend works at that paper. And and uh, and he knew who he was. I mean, Lincoln knows who um, Chris is. Yeah. Lincoln knew who he was. And so but he never said anything about them breaking up or anything. He just seemed kind of out of it. And the whole well, thing like, about he says that thing about like her being too much for him. Right. Right. Like she's, and he says, Oh, she's like a hurricane yeah. or a tornado or something. And he said, yeah, I guess so. But the other thing that's telling is when he would go to this restaurant after their concerts with their, uh-huh. his friends and the one girl would say, Oh, there's no way he has a girlfriend. And, and Lincoln's like, well, he could have a girlfriend. She said, no, there's no way that he has a girlfriend because he's here alone all the time. So that's just, I mean, girls I mean, pick up on that kind of stuff. 
Yeah, <laughs> he mean, was not a very good boyfriend. In his favor, like it doesn't seem like he cheated on her, right? Which people were always telling her right, that he, she probably that he probably was. Um, but I think like both of them, both relationships, uh, because then there's that moment where Lincoln and Sam kind of reunite. But it's obviously at a point where he's kind of just now starting to move past her, um, even if he is kind of in this right. unhealthy obsession with somebody he doesn't know, you know. But um, but it's just kind of um, interesting that I think both of them just kind of serve as a, uh, I don't know, like a catalyst for both of them realizing that they need to change and grow and develop as people and you know yeah well and find someone better and move on the um but the whole thing it's it's almost like him reading these emails and kind of falling for this girl that he's never met but it makes him want to be a better person it makes him want to improve himself and he starts you know going to the gym he gets an apartment he um it was just a whole you know, it's just from reading these and, and his feelings for her. And even if he didn't wind up with her, which yeah. he knew he was because it's a romance book, um, it still spurred yes. him on to make good changes in his life. And I don't think he would yeah. have gone backwards. And even that. at one point near the end of the book, when he's just kind of like given up, you know, he's given her the letter saying, like admitting everything that he did. You know, I think he's kind of like, okay, nothing's going to happen. It's fine. Like he's still gone and he's still like taking care of himself and making good changes. Right. And he got a new job and yeah. he was dating other girls even. Yeah, and... sure. Um, okay. So what do you think Jennifer's role is in the story besides being Beth's sounding board of sorts? Because in a lot of ways we get to know Jennifer as much as we do Beth. Yes. I think, I think Jennifer's, well, if you're going to have read emails about people, they have to be talking to someone. But I also think that the way Beth deals with Jennifer is one of the things that makes Mm -hmm. Lincoln fall in love with her. And, um, uh, you know, going through the whole pregnancy thing and then spoiler alert, she loses the baby and dealing with all that. And then also when he runs into Jennifer out in the parking lot, and helps her change her tire and she's just yeah like a basket Aww. case and crying and sobbing and and um then he's yeah. so sweet with her and that makes Jennifer say you need yeah. to go with this guy this guy's awesome <laughs> well and i also think kind of like what i was saying earlier where i think that this book is in part also kind of about mm, like changing attitudes with this generation I think that she's also kind of part of that in, you know, kind of, I mean, you know, people exploring the options of whether or not they want kids and what that's going to mean to their lives and things like that. Because, you know, early in the book, she's like, I'm not getting pregnant. I don't want kids. And then when she does get pregnant, she's kind of like horrified. But um, it kind of takes her losing the baby to realize that she she does want that um so I think that's also kind of I think she's just like kind of a different aspect of exploring that kind of shift in attitudes plus she's at a different 
place in her life than Beth is. And um, kind of the two playing off each other where Beth seems to want what Jennifer has and can't seem to get there. And um, anyway, I think that gives another Another aspect to the book. To want change in her life. Yeah. Yes. Um, Okay. So what did you think of the scene in the movie theater or the ending in general? Kind of. Well, I kind of loved it. Yeah. I was going to say, we already kind of touched on it. Um, I saw a lot of people like commenting who they didn't really like it. Um, but I mean, I don't know how else was it supposed to go down. I mean, they had to. Okay. Well, first of all, if, um, she went and sat next to him and they couldn't, it's not like they were in a place where they could talk it out yet. So they just made out during the movie. I get it. (laughs) I understand. Um, but then he really wanted to talk about it and, and, you know, work it out. And so that's why he followed her back to the office. Yeah. Um, I liked the ending. I liked that because of they were both in the place where they were ready to, you know, move forward with this thing. And even her having to deal with the fact that he was being a creeper and, you know, reading their emails. Yeah. You know, she, <laughs> the whole thing about... I don't even know what to tell you because you already know everything about me. Yeah. Well, and because um, Jennifer's kind of pissed at him for a while, right? Um, I can't remember. She I, didn't seem to be. I thought that there was like a thing it. where you know he says that it took her a while to get over the fact that he had read all their emails, but I don't know. I think they should just be like grateful that he didn't turn them in. <laughs> you know? Turn them in. I know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think, cause I was worried that there was going to be like a lot of drama, but I kind of like that they just meet and it's like, there's no drama. They just make out. And then when they talk about it, it's kind of like, are you cool that I was kind of creepy? Yeah. Are you cool if I was kind of creepy? Okay, cool. Let's move forward and do this thing. Well, and that's the thing is, is there didn't need to be drama. There was one of two things. Either she was just not going to be into it at all. Like if she'd seen him in the theater, she'd just like pretend like she didn't know him and, you know, ignore the whole thing and not make a deal about it. Or they were going to hook up yeah. and they hooked up because it's a roommate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it for my questions. Do you have any other thoughts that you wanted to express? I don't. He's, I loved him. Yeah, me too. I don't know that we've talked enough about him, but um, it's another one of those things where I just wanted to mother him. And, and um, it just gets weird, Mom. <laughs> you want to mother, mother all <laughs> Well, I'm reading books about 29-year-olds, yeah, Ellen. Cool. It's not like I'm going to, like, a, um, no, I wanted to help him through this difficult time in his life, help him move into his apartment. I mean, I guess because his mother, she's a better cook than me, but she kind of reminded me of how I probably would have handled the whole thing. No, nah, I wouldn't have been that clean. No, you but um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a clingy mom. But um, he was just he was adorable and he was funny and he was cute. He was the cute guy. And but I like he... <laughs> when she said he looked like Jason Bateman, and he asked his sister, "Do I look like Jason Bateman?" And she's like, "Yeah, you kind of." <laughs> and then do. you know that had me like. Okay, because <laughs> okay, I'm bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I like that he wasn't... I don't know. I feel like a lot of times... Um, a lot of times characters and books are very, like, character-y, if you f- catch my drift, where they're, they have, like, one quality that's, like, super over the top, or, you know, like, they're super alpha, or they're, you know, really shy, or really goofy, or something. And I like that he he felt, like, just kind of, like, a guy that, you know, I went to school with, right. or I work with, or something like that. He felt like a real guy. And, um... He was kind of dorky, but he was yeah, and cute, and, and had a nice body, yeah. and... Um, and you know, like he had his own insecurities and, um, yeah, he just, he felt like he felt very tangible to me, I guess is the, the word. Yes. Yeah. I like, I, um, like, so that's why I wanted you to read this one, Mon, because I knew you would like it. I did. Thank you, Ellen. I enjoyed it. Um, so those are our thoughts on Attachments by Rainbow Rowell. Um, I think it's safe to say that we would recommend it unless, I mean, but I hope you didn't just listen to this if you uh, wanted to read it. But um, if we would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, our Goodreads group, our Twitter, which mom is now kind of on, um, which is... What? Ellen taught me how to Twitter. <laughs> uh our Twitter, which is at NotYourMomsRom, or you can email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Um, so if you would want to read along with us and email us your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On January 22nd, we will be discussing How to Tame a Beast in Seven Days by Carolyn Sparks. It is the first book in her Embraced series. Um, which I am up to date on, but I want mom to read it and I uh, want her to try a paranormal fantasy. It's like a first for her. Um, so for now, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we'll be talking about the fear of commitment in romance novels. So stay with us. Welcome to our little break segment. Um, for this episode, we thought we would do a romantic TV spotlight because like mom and I were talking about with attachments, we uh, are huge culture junkies. So um, this is just a spot for us to recommend something that is not a book, but it's still filling our romance quotas that we have. And they are very high quotas. So, you know, we have to get it <laughs> any way we can. Um, so we wanted to talk about a show that, um, so I was just at with mom for Christmas, uh, for like two weeks basically. And there's one show that we watched several, several times. Um, and it's called Great News. Now this is on NBC. It's on Thursdays at 8.30 and, um, it's a very funny show. Correct, mom? Very funny. It's very... Well, it's executive produced by Tina Fey, so it's very 30 Rock-esque, but it's that kind of humor. So if you love 30 Rock, it's it's like a younger version of 30 Rock. Yeah. And, like, I think a little fresher, and I think not quite as, like, obscure as 30 Rock. 30 Rock could get very, like, very obscure and (laughs) very silly. I think this is very silly, but I think it's a little more palatable to people, in my opinion. Um, Yeah. But... There is a will they or won't they romance going on in this show. Correct. Oh, they will. They better, mom. They better. (laughs) They They can't string us along like this and then not. Okay. Well, here's my, here's why I wanted to talk about this show. It's not doing great ratings wise. And 
if this show gets canceled and those two are not together, I'm going to throw something hard. <laughs> Pitch a little tantrum? Yes, a little one. Um, so it's about a girl who works at a news station. Um, it's kind of like a CNN type thing where she just works on, she's a producer on a specific show on this channel. Um, and she is working there. She has a mom who is very clingy and, you know, likes to take care of her. And her mom decides that she wants to enter the workforce again and she becomes an intern at her job. Um, so she's kind of dealing with all of the zany characters at her office while also trying to handle her mother. And the executive producer is maybe a romantic interest. Hint, hint, he is. Um, and <laughs> they have a lot of like kind of cute moments and things like that. They do. And it's um, it's got a hilarious cast. Mm -hmm. The cast is awesome. Yeah. It's just really fun. It's got Nicole Richie in it. I never thought I'd like anything Nicole Richie yeah. did, but she's really funny she in it. She's really funny in it. <laughs> like, props to her. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. If you're looking for a new show and you are like me and there being a romantic relationship in there is a priority, then this is a good option for you. Um, so again, great news on NBC. Go check it out and let us know what you think. Did you say it's all on Hulu? It is all on Hulu. If you have Hulu Prime, all two seasons, both seasons are all on there. But find other ways. You can also find other ways to get it, I'm sure. But <laughs> You're not condoning doing something illegal, are you? No, Ellen? I'm not. But like you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on iTunes. Mom. <laughs> okay. But it's if you've got Hulu, it's all on Hulu. Yeah, it's all on Hulu. But not everybody has Hulu. Trust me, because I've been recommending this to other people. And they're like, oh, I don't have Hulu. I'm like, oh, gosh. I'm you don't have my... a mother that pays for their Hulu? What's no, that? That's rude. Um, <laughs> I have a friend who I really wanted her to watch it. So it was like it, her birthday had been a couple months ago. So I was like, I'll buy you the first season. Happy birthday. Watch that show. Because I'm telling you. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> they, they should, like, give you commission. I know. They should. Um, so, again, check it out and let us know what you think. And we'll talk to you next time with our movie and TV recreations. And we're back to talk about commitment phobia in romance novels. So this is a topic that mom requested because I think that there was a fair amount of it in the series that you just read. There was, or lack of it or whatever. <laughs> commitment phobia. There was a lot of commitment phobia. Yes. Okay. There was a lot of lack of wanting to make a commitment. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Um, so, I mean, obviously this is something that we see happen a lot in romance novels, but why did you specifically want to talk about it, Mom? Well, the problem I have, <laughs> um, and you see it more in historical romances than you do in modern. Modern is more, well, modern. But in the historical romances, there's this underlying theme where they don't have to marry for love. And so these men are... I'm just going to marry her because, and in this particular series that I just read, you know, it was, I was, I loved my wife and she died. So I don't want to love anyone else because it hurt too much or, uh, 
this girl broke my heart and I'm not going to love anyone else because it's too painful and all that. It's like, oh my gosh, you guys could not be more whiny and cowardice than that. Just man up and fall in love already. But this whole, I can't love her. I can't love her. And um, it's definitely more of a historical thing. Uh, because okay. I'm going to stop you there. Because okay. it happens in contemporaries a lot, too. It's just, I think, handled differently because... And the other thing, I know when we were talking about this when I was home, you were saying that it happens a lot with men, like exclusively men, but I think that that is more pertinent to uh, historicals. I think in modern, it happens with both sexes pretty equally. And I think you see it in historicals happen with men more just because women really haven't been burned that much in the, their past because A, they're younger, and B, like, they're kept away from the opposite sex, you know. Um, Sometimes way yeah. younger. But, but yeah, they're usually virginal and haven't had any experiences yeah. with it like the men have. So I think in contemporaries, you see it happen with both, like, pretty equally, which makes sense because... Well, it was kind of the same complaint we had with the... Christmas Baywatch book. What was it? The Heartbreakers Bay <laughs> Trouble book. With, Trouble of Mistletoe. That one. And because um, they both like really liked each other, but it's like, oh my gosh, will you two stop dancing around this whole thing and just yeah. you know, commit already? Yeah. And right when you'd think the one had fallen, the other one's like, oh, I can't, I, I've got issues. And then the other, and then that guy would, then they would say, oh, okay, I'm on board. And then the other one would be like, Oh, I can't. I got issues. Yeah. And um, it's like, I don't know if maybe it does happen in real life. But just... I think it does. But I think you and I are both just so like laissez faire about most things that, you know. Well, <laughs> I guess um, it, it's this might be a good time to mention the fact that um, my husband and I knew each other. Two weeks before we got engaged. Two weeks. Two weeks. <laughs> he says three weeks. Which but he's wrong he's about wrong. most things, like your well, anniversary and things like that. Who remembers things better, the wife or the husband? So, um, yes, we knew each other two weeks, and then we decided we were going to get married. And I remember and... when I found out, like, I didn't know that about you guys until I think I was, like, 16 and I remember when you told me, I was just shocked because you guys seemed like more responsible than that. <laughs> oh, silly you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not something I really wanted to advertise to my teenage daughter because it's not something I think I would be, as, you know, um, accommodating with with my daughter, even though I did it myself. Especially, but, I mean, um, like, I, I think about, like, I think maybe if I met somebody and two weeks later I was engaged, you might be a little more accepting of it than if it happened when I was 20. 20? Like you like were. Like did with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, I was 20 years old and fell madly in love and <laughs> had to get married. Oh, no, I didn't have to get married, but um, wanted to get married, and my parents were not happy, and I couldn't figure out why. It seemed like, you know, the perfect guy. And um, now it has 
you know, 36 years later, I don't think either one of us is going anywhere. So uh, it worked, right? Yeah. 36 years of marital bliss. <laughs> is, that, is that how you but, um it? Yeah, that's how I'm... <laughs> These people don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it has been. We've been, yeah. we're happy. But um, so I guess my problem, I, I don't know that I'm a good judge then maybe on the whole commitment issue because I was like, yeah, I want to get married. Let's do it now. Um, yeah, you're like the opposite so, of what I, most people are though. I was Mom. the opposite. I was like, I'm ready to commit. Let's go. <laughs> um, see whereas I am now 30 and still in the dating scene I see a lot of this commitment phobia in real life so I feel like um I believe it more than you do well and I feel like guys in general now are more like uh, you know against getting involved in a relationship than they were when I was younger. So. Well, and girls are too. I mean, like, I know a fair amount. I think I think most women that I know are more like it's something that they're seeking more so than a lot of the guys that I know. Um, but it happens also with women more than you might think, probably. Don't these women want to get married and have babies? Because that's the joy of my life. <laughs> That's all a woman's good for, right, Ma? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic. I I know that that's not everyone's cup of tea. And believe me, if you don't want to get married and have babies, I don't think that you should. Mom deals with enough um, of that in her daily life. <laughs> I do. Um, but anyway, it just is such, it comes up, and I guess it comes up in books all the time because... It's yeah. what makes it yeah, creates like, the obviously. story. I mean, they have to I mean, have some impediment, and it can't always be something physical that's keeping them apart. I think more often it's something right. internal that is like you couldn't even write you know, a novel about my, you know, my romantic history because I mean we would have had like a pamphlet because <laughs> it was so quick and short. Oh, it's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't even be a novella. It would be like a, you know. Be like a like Brochure. a deleted scene that somebody posts on their blog or something. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> it worked out for me. Mom's I would recommend grand it for romantic everybody. love story. <laughs> yeah, but um, it just it gets frustrating after a while. I guess part of the problem is I read so many of these novels, and then it happens in so many of these novels that I get frustrated with the gosh, all right, just fall in love already. I mean, we know it's going to happen eventually. We know you want to. <laughs> yeah. But some, I, you know, and some of them I get behind it and I understand it, but some of them that's just so lame. It's just, what do you mean you're never going to fall? How can you even say that? How can a person say, I'm never going to fall in love again? Because that's just ridiculous. I mean, who thinks that way? Well, especially something like that, where it's like, you can't always just, you can't just say it and make it so, you know? Yeah. You can't always just control that. Yeah. Anyway, those are my thoughts, Ellen, on the commitment phobia that exists. (laughs) It irritates me out there in the real world. It irritates me in the novels sometimes. Mom, can we tell the story of you and dad met? How how I and dad met? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it doesn't go as well if you don't, if you can't see me. Oh, what? (laughs) I don't want you to act it out. I especially don't want you to act it out because 
basically, mom and dad met while they were driving out to a thing together across a couple states, right? We There were a group of us that went on a road trip together. Yeah. And one of the guys who was with us had asked me out a few times and wanted to get with this. But yeah, um, mom's always mom's <laughs> always real certain to point that out that there was a guy that absolutely well who didn't honestly <laughs> but um I was not interested in that and then I met your father yeah. and I was like I am interested in that however <laughs> so um we were interested in each other together <laughs> on the road trip and the other guy got really mad about the whole thing so. Well, because, okay, tell, I've been told, I think by you, that there at one point during the road trip, this guy A was driving the car, and you and Dad were just in the seat making out the whole time. <laughs> wow, you make me sound like such a whore. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's true. <laughs> it was a long road trip, what can I say? <laughs> it's not like we just met. And by the way, that wasn't the first time I met him. I met him a couple days before we'd gone out. <laughs> a couple days before, so it's okay. Well, it was the whole thing when it was like accelerated, Ellen. Yeah, and then I'll it was say two weeks. A little while after that, that we decided to get married. Really? Okay. And I do want to point out that I didn't have to get married. <laughs> I actually was a virgin right. on my wedding night. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons that we sped things up because I had to keep telling my yeah. mom, "Look, if you want me to be a virgin when I get married, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta you gotta make this happen quicker. We gotta, we gotta speed these like, things along." Which I have to admit, I can just picture Grandma like loving that <laughs> being said to her. Yeah, she <laughs> she I thought it was kind of funny. She didn't think it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> Okay, so we got the topic there, but that was fun. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us for How to Tame a Beast in Seven Days by Carolyn Sparks in two weeks on January 22nd, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or you can find us on Twitter at NotYourMom'sRom, or on Facebook or Goodreads, or email us at NotYourMom'sRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. Um, so thanks, Mom. You're welcome, Ellen. Is there anything else about my personal life that you want me to share with no, the world? No, that's it. Um, uh, I'm sure I'll find something out later, but we'll, we'll talk about right. this. All right. All right. Bye, Bob. Bye.